Good afternoon, you're on the panel, RNZ National, Friday afternoon, loving your company this afternoon. We have Sue Kedgley and Martin Bosley with me today, and uh, you can be our eyes and ears, ears this afternoon. Uh, how is the weather where you are right now? Heavy rain and, uh, sorry, heavy rain, thunder and lightning in Birkenhead right now, someone says. Uh, Jill in Estahawks Bay says, sunny till about 10 minutes ago, clouding over, no rain or drizzle, quiet, no wind, but we are all anticipating it'll get worse. No sign of rain clouds yet, but who knows, we wait. Text me, please, 2101. Also, as you might know, an evacuation order has been issued for people in the Esk Valley with effect from 1.30 this afternoon. If possible, evacuees should go to whānau or friends. Now, civil defence centres will be open for those who need somewhere to stay and other support. And the locations are these four places. Flaxmere Community Centre, that's open now. Waipawa Municipal Theatre, that is open now. Porangaho Rugby Club, open now. And the Centennial Hall in Napier, that's just been open for the last 10 minutes. And pets welcome it in all those four places. And there is a temporary animal shelter at 300 Prospect Road, Hastings, that has been set up by the Ministry for Primary Industries and Animal Charities, Huans and SPCA Hawks Bay. That information there is on the Hawks Bay Civil Defence Facebook page. So, yes, rain's starting to fall in various areas. Med Service has issued orange heavy rain warnings for Hawks Bay for 25 hours to 10am tomorrow. Gisborne for 19 hours to 4am tomorrow. Also for the Coromandel for 7 hours to 2am Saturday. Auckland is starting to get the rainfall now. And an estimated 100 to 150 millimetres of rain is expected to fall between today and tomorrow morning in Hawke's Bay. So let's check in with Hawke's Bay local Yvonne Lorcan. We had Yvonne on uh, a day after Cyclone Gabrielle hit. Yvonne, welcome back. Kia ora. Kia ora, Wallace. How are you? Well... What a tumultuous fortnight, Yvonne. What else to say? <laughs> oh, look, you know, it's, um, I tell you what, it was really unsettling, you know, when the rain came over yesterday afternoon and it rained kind of steadily through last night. I'm sitting in my house in Hastings, not in my car like I was um, the day after the, um, you know, when we spoke after the, the death of the cyclone. Um, so I'm in my home, I've got power phone, everything's fine, got t- connectivity, it's good. But I tell you what, the clouds over here... And Hastings are actually looking pretty kind of heavy in the sky, you know, and the wind is picking up quite a bit over here. So I don't know if it's going to travel over towards Esk or not. I'm not very good with weather that way, but it's starting to look a little bit grim. Yeah. Yeah. So Mm. on that note, Yvonne, from all that uh, you folk have been through, um, people will be looking at that, those clouds, and must Mm. have some pretty 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 jangly nerves just anticipating the day and evening ahead that's the thing it's it's unsettling you know you're kind of looking at the ground going there's no way it can hold any more water but then you're kind of thinking maybe this could blow over and it might not be a big deal but we've got to take this really seriously i mean it's an orange warning you know um that's nothing to that's nothing to kind of sniff at. Mm. Um, so we're all kind of just thinking, gosh, you know, praying that um, that it doesn't hose down, you know, and that um, those poor folk in, 
over in Esk um, don't have to be out of their their homes for too long. The homes that they do have left, um, and and that it's not going to be as bad. But hey, you've got to be conservative, don't you? Let's go uh, on the paddle on this, Sue. Oh. Yeah, well, I mean, at least I guess um, this time everyone's better prepared uh, than we were uh, last time. But I guess your comments, they just indicate that incredible mental toll of all wow. of all of this and the uncertainty. And I think, we, you know, it's only going to be in the weeks and months ahead, people who have lost everything, the mm. huge mental toll it's going to take on your entire community. I think that's um, it's so true, Sue. And, you know, thinking about the areas where so much work has been done to clear the, you know, the, the metres of silt that have, um, you know, been deposited in places um, in, in people's homes and businesses and orchards and, you know, garden, all that kind of stuff, you know, that's been cleared and popped in big piles sort of on the sides of roads and things like that. And if it rains... Mm. Where's all that going to go? You know, yes, um, yes. so it's not. I mean, that's the thing that everyone's kind of got their hearts and their throats about is that so much, so much work has been done in such a short period of time by so many people. I mean, it's just, it's just jaw dropping the the effort that um, that that people have um, rallied here to clean and 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 try and give people access to their properties and and that kind of thing that. You know, if it does hose down, it's you know what that could undo all that work, and it's just you know you just got to cross every digit you own really to hope that it doesn't happen. Martin, oh, oh kia ora, Yvonne. Um, kia ora, Martin. Kia ora. <laughs> um, been a long time since I've spoken to you. Yeah, you know yeah. each other. <laughs> yeah. We, we do, do. We do. <laughs> we do. In fact, we um. We shared a tremendous um, car journey, I think, from Gisborne down to Hawke's Bay one day. Didn't that we, was, yeah. That was a lot of fun listening to Beyonce, if I recall. Um, we did, and we solved the problems of the world. We did, indeed. Well, I, I mean, this is, um, this is massive, <laughs> isn't it, Yvonne? I mean, I'm glad to hear that, you know, oh. that you're, you're okay. My daughter lives in Hamawana. Oh, I, really? Yeah, and I spoke to her this afternoon to see how she was mm. doing. And she was in bed with the duvet pulled right up, going, I just don't oh. think I can face another one. And I think no. that's kind of, I mean, there's, a, there's almost a fatalistic aspect to this, isn't it? You go, of course this is happening. But are you also wondering, like, when you know, when are we going to catch a break on this? Yeah, and you know, everyone here is incredibly um, resilient, and and everyone is really pulling, you know, deep. But it's just um, everyone mm. has to. There's a bit of a cracks will will start to show. Yeah, and, and they kind of are now. And um, I think we just need. That's where we all just need to kind of. You know, check on our neighbours, call our friends. You know, just check that it, just so that everyone knows they're not alone. Mm. And and that's the that's the thing. I mean, it's a hu- it's been an amazing relief for people to know that yes, we've got the military here. There's Red mm. Cross. There's support organisations. Okay. There's so many people. But um, the main thing is for people to know they're not alone. Mm. And the, the yeah. whole sense of community, right, coming together. Correct. Wonderful, yeah, Yvonne. Yeah. Thank you yeah, so much for um, yeah. Take care, and uh, we'll Thank just uh, keep in touch crossed. with you. Yeah, and, and and Hawks Bay and Kiora. Thank you again for your time. Thank uh, you, and thank you for all of the hard work that um, RNZ are doing. We don't know where we'd be without you. Oh, uh, now, by the way, um, evacuations uh, in that area if you need support. Again, those four locations, Flaxmere Community Centre, Waipawa Municipal Theatre, Porangahau Rugby Club and the Centennial Hall, Napier, 
all open. Uh, the the hall is open from 4pm this afternoon. Pets are welcome. There's also a temporary animal shelter at 300 Prospect Road in Hastings. That's been set up by uh, MPI. Uh, looking around, looking over to Auckland here, uh, a band of heavy rain is passing over Auckland City, which exactly four weeks ago, almost to the hour, was flooded in the torrential downpours of the Auckland anniversary weekend. Auckland Transport has issued a warning that the region's roads are already vulnerable after the damage from the floods in Cyclone Gabrielle. And police say there are slips in northwest Auckland, especially in Mangafai. And uh, RNZ's Auckland reporters are on the job here making calls. And just uh, something else to hand. Waka has just confirmed that repairs to the fully reopened uh, road across the Coromandel damaged in the Auckland anniversary weekend floods will take up to a year. In a statement, it says it'll take 9 to 12 months to fully reopen State Highway 25A, the road between Kōpū and Hikawai, the main way for tourists, holiday homeowners and residents to get across the peninsula subsided in torrential rain. So um, the Regional Manager of Infrastructure Delivery, Joe Walton, said there are three main options for reinstating this highway. One, we build a bridge replacing the lost section of road. Two... We build a deviation which bypasses the slip site. Three, we build a retaining wall and effectively effectively rebuild the road from the ground up. So significant um, damage there, up to a year for that uh, central road there. And people are um, coming through on where it's like what's happening in your area. Hosing down in Royal Oak. Heavy rain at Piha for quite a while now. Extremely heavy rain and rolling thunder in Bethel's Beach. And someone says, Wallace Kaitaia, light warm breeze and buckets of sunshine. So um, what's happening regarding weather in your area? Uh, please keep in touch. Text me, 2101. Sue Kidgley and Martin Bosley with me this afternoon. Now, as I mentioned, more heavy rain hitting the cyclone-impacted areas. This after North Island have been repeatedly hit with deluges this summer, including that record-smashing Auckland anniversary weekend floods we just talked about now, and further cyclones into the wider South Pacific in the coming weeks. So we turn to this issue of what we call disaster fatigue. You heard of on Lorcan there, Dr Lauren Vinal is a lecturer in emergency management at the Joint Centre for Disaster Research at Massey University. Dr Vinal, welcome. Thank you for having me. Pleasure. So, yes, disaster fatigue as more rain uh, hits. I mean, what will those who are still in response mode be feeling about this? Yeah, yeah. So emotions will already be running pretty high in these areas. So people will likely be feeling anxiety, grief, helplessness, maybe a bit of anger. Now, all of these Emotions are completely normal following something like the flooding we've already seen. But what's particularly concerning right now is how these feelings will be compounded by further impacts from this latest heavy rain, especially when we might need people to make quick decisions to keep themselves safe. Yeah. Can you, can you explain a little more, uh, uh, more about this concept of disaster f- fatigue? Just explain, unpack a bit what more it is. Sure. So all disasters are exhausting. Disaster fatigue is a particular type of emotional exhaustion when people's 
ability to cope is overwhelmed by either simultaneous disasters or repeated events like we're seeing in many areas of the Upper North Island right now. And disaster fatigue can limit concentration, it changes how people process information and how they make decisions, and it can make them fatalistic where they think they aren't able to do anything to protect themselves. Let's go around the panel. Martin. I think that, that danger of... I'm um, sorry, um, Kira, um, Dr Vanella. Um, this, um, yeah, the danger of catastrophizing this, I would have thought, is, is, um, is, is enormous. But um, I guess it's not just residents that we need to be concerned about here, but also first responders, right? I mean, all those people that are in there, you know, as, as Yvonne just said before, digging out and you know, you know, yep. giving, giving, you know, giving all this help. It's uh, the, the mental health challenges... I mean, they're just, they're across the board, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we know first responders who are in there doing amazing work, they can struggle with events like this, and particularly those first responders who are locals, so they're having to Mm. cope with the long hours and the the potential trauma of their jobs, as well as at the same time worrying about their families, friends, communities, their homes. Yeah, yeah, something we definitely need to to think about. Sue Kidgley. Well, I, I noticed, um, Dr. Vanella, they said that it, communities, where there are good community uh, networks and a community works together before a disaster, they will recover and bounce back much more quickly. So it really highlights the importance of those local communities and so forth. But I also think we have to, we need to be much better prepared. I mean, if, if this disaster has shown us anything, we're woefully unprepared uh, we were for this uh, disaster and you know in terms of we need you know better equipped communities access to commu- emergency shelters i still don't know where our local emergency shelter is we need you know emergency food and whatever you know if if you're okay. better prepared you're going to be better able to cope with a disaster so there's a huge amount we have to do um, in preparing all of us in every community and uh, everywhere in New Zealand uh, to prepare for upcoming natural disasters, particularly if we keep doing nothing about climate change. Lauren? Yes, no, absolutely. I agree completely. I mean, like you say, we've seen in repeated events that our communities do have resources to pull together and look after each other, and that is fantastic to see, obviously. But I agree completely that if we can get those resources in advance if we can get people prepared in their homes and communities, if we can teach people what they need to do as these events unfold to keep themselves safe, uh, that's obviously much better than an entirely reactive response. We need to be proactive. We need to be getting people prepared. Mm. And, yeah, I mean, mitigating and reducing risk in the first place as much as we can as well. I think the other aspect that has really uh, hit home for me, uh, Lauren, is that, I mean, I know people who weren't affected at all, but it still hit them hard, Mm. even thinking about what the near-term future may hold. One, they feel very, very sorry for the tragedy that has unfolded in areas around them, maybe to colleagues or friends, but even though they weren't hit at all, it still weighs very heavily on their their mind. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, these events, obviously, just horrendous for the people experiencing them and, you know, thinking about them and doing what we can. But even for people observing it, like you say, you might have family, friends affected or just seeing the image coming out of it. Uh, you know, it can, it can be quite scary. It can be overwhelming. Uh, what I guess I would say for anyone feeling like that is to try to 
channel that into doing something for yourself for your own preparedness. We know people cope with things like this better when they focus on the actions they can take rather than the problem itself. Very so good. anyone but, feeling, yeah. Yeah. No, no, keep going. No, no, I, just, I was just going to reiterate, reiterate that message because I do think it's quite important that people prepare while they're thinking about mm. it, while it is fresh, because we know, as kind of cynical as it is to say, people do move on from these events relatively quickly. There is a, a window. What, what can we... Um, sorry, Wallace. Uh, can we... Um, you know, if you're, you're sitting sort of remotely away from this. You know, how, how can you support and help people, you know, friends, loved ones that are there going through it? You know, because you don't want to sort of say, you know, well, you know, hey ho, tomorrow's another day, sun will shine and breathe deeply. You know, it just all seems so a bit facile. I mean, but you want to sort of be able to do something kind of positive. I mean, how can you know? How can you help from afar? Yeah, Maybe. exactly. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, we've seen we've seen some issues around, you know, really kind-hearted Kiwis making donations. Uh, but if they're not donating things that communities actually need, it can mm. cause a bit of a problem. So listen to the communities, hear what they're asking for. And if you are able to help, um, you know, financially especially, then do that. All right, um, we talk about yeah. just that uh, toward the end of the show. We go back to Hawke's Bay on that very topic for now. Dr. Lauren Vanell uh, from the Joint Centre for Disaster Research at Massacura. Thank you very much uh, for your time. Uh, just some more, uh, another update here. MedService has just confirmed that slow-moving thunderstorms near Wellsford, Mungafai and Te Arai, towns northwest of Auckland right now are capable of unleashing torrential rain and warns that driving conditions will become extremely hazardous. Keep those tips coming. What are you experiencing right now? Keep in touch with RNZ and the rest of the country. Wendy says, Wallace, very heavy rain, thunder and lightning here in Hobsonville right now. Howard says, had 170 millimetres of rain since midday today in Mangafai. You're on the panel, and just a completely different topic here on a Friday. I thought I'd love your input on this, because my son was super excited this morning. He had his first show-and-tell. Two cicadas, cotton wool. I can't wait to go home and find out how it was for him. And I can recall a show-and-tell that I did when I was 10. I had a big A2 card and a big cannabis leaf in the middle. And on the left, I wrote the cons, and on the right, I wrote the pros. (laughs) Uh, and I went through all the cons, and halfway through the pros, the teacher said, that's enough, you can uh, sit down now, Mr. Chapman. Uh, <laughs> she didn't ask if she could buy that, some of you. That was, I don't know, that was, 19, that was 1980, uh, and we've had quite a response about people, people's show and tell. With us now is Nikki in Auckland. Nikki, kia ora. Kia ora, Wallace. Tell us about your show and tell. Oh, dear. Uh, I would have been about seven or eight, and this is down in Christchurch in Aranui. Um, my favourite thing in the whole world was my little dog called Casper, and he was a Maltese terrier. And so I begged my mother, I was like, can I take him for show and tell? And she was like, sure. So <laughs> she dropped us off and left me with him. And we started off with the primers class. <laughs> And Casper was a real hit. <laughs> he saw lots of bare legs and just lost his mind. And we went through three primers classes of him humping legs. <laughs> oh. Oh. I was mortified. It was awful. Casper oh. on the walk of shame. Goodness oh, gracious yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. 
And the kids got really excited, and as they got excited, Casper got more excited and humped as many legs as he could. And by the time we got to the third primers class, his grand finale was humping the teacher's leg. <laughs> and all the <laughs> all these years later, Nikki, one show and tell to remember. That's it. That's My it. gosh. All right. Thanks. I don't have dogs anymore. I've got cats now. <laughs> <laughs> if I were you, I'd stick marijuana. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For the pros and cons. Yeah, kia ora, Nikki. All right. And uh, the, the wonderful shows, show and tell is coming through. Also with us, Michael and Christchurch. Michael, kia ora. Hello there. How are you? I'm not you, gonna, well, I, You've got a wonderful one. Yes. Um, it was my boy. Um, about 10 years ago, he... Um, came down with type 1 diabetes when he was 8 and um, he um, came within a couple of days of having massive organ failure and went to the hospital hospital for a couple of weeks and when he went back to school did a show and tell that um, um, reassured his class that he wasn't dangerous or anything like that mm. and that that sort of thing and diabetes what it was if he starts trembling and having a low he needs chocolate straight away sort of thing if he gets high he needs insulin and so he even showed his class what happens and when you get um, have your insulin and do your finger prick tests and oh, all that wow sort of stuff so they completely understood everything about him and I think as I said he, it's not contagious it's just one of those things and a special shout out to um, Christchurch Hospital yeah. who looked after him and especially John the um, diabetes person there at the time he's now retired um, just helped what, the whole family out. What an extraordinary show and tell. Your son goes after this um, uh, event and um, just explains to his class, you must have been so proud of him. I, I was. It was just a wonderful thing. And his speech at the time, and just being eight, was just so eloquent. Oh. Michael, thank you so right, much for sharing right, that with us. Right, that is That is a really amazing story. Kia ora. Um, Thank you. Show and tell. Keep those uh, coming. Um, do you did you have a show and tell that you'll always remember? Well, that is just extraordinary. Thank you, Michael and Nikki.